Hello, this is John Mack. Welcome to my Newtown News Update podcast. My guest today is Dr. Frank D'Ambrosio, one of the leading voices for medicinal cannabis policy reform in the U.S. We'll be talking about a survey Dr. Frank, as he likes to be called, did on medical marijuana patients in California to find out more about what conditions patients use cannabis for and if they have used cannabis to replace or reduce their intake of any other prescription medications such as opioids. Welcome to the show, Dr. Frank. Why don't you uh, start by uh, telling people a little bit about yourself? Absolutely. Francis D'Ambrosio, orthopedic surgeon, spine surgeon, uh, currently practicing in Los Angeles, California. Did do my undergraduate work not too far from Newtown, from what I understand, at a place called Haverford College. Um, moved out to California. I practiced uh, for 20 years doing spine surgery, and then about five years ago, uh, I switched my practice completely uh, to pursue the investigation and treatment of patients with the use of medical cannabis. Great. That's a topic that I'm very much interested in, and uh, for two reasons. Number one, uh, Pennsylvania, um, I guess recently uh, legalized medical marijuana for certain medical conditions and even has a few dispensaries around the state. And uh, I'm also interested in perhaps that uh, medical marijuana can replace opioids. So why don't we start by um, talking a little bit about the uh, study of uh, California patients? We sent out a survey uh, of patients that I had treated okay. with medical cannabis to find out why they were using cannabis, for what conditions, and what strains they were using. Now, again, this is not a prospective study. This is essentially um, a looking back, a review. Now, we had 10,000 responses, uh, of which only 4,276 4, actually completed the entire uh, process. Uh, we lost so many patients because they wouldn't put their age or their sex down. It's very unusual, but we were able to draw some significant conclusions uh, from the information that we gathered. We found that the most common reason in California, which is where I'm practicing, that people use cannabis is depression. Second most common is for sleep. Third most common is to replace opioids. Fourth most common is to, for the treatment of anxiety. And fifth is for the treatment of headaches. If you look at most other states that are just starting the medical marijuana programs, and we'll use Pennsylvania as an example, uh-huh. none of the reasons that people in California use cannabis for are listed in Pennsylvania. Right. Pennsylvania can have chronic pain but it's usually cancer pain, and the physicians who are seeing patients in Pennsylvania and have gone through the four-hour course and have been licensed or at least have been certified to be able to evaluate patients for the use of medical cannabis need a referral from the primary treating physician, the cancer physician, or the pain management specialist in order to even see the patient to begin with. And it's, it's not unusual for this to be happening. You, you know, states like uh, 
like Massachusetts or states like New Hampshire or Maine, you're allowed to, as a physician, evaluate a patient for the use of cannabis, but it's normally you have to have incredibly rare diseases, uh, Lou Gehrig's disease, Huntington's chorea, significant neurological diseases that very few people luckily have. Right. Uh, the, the common uses for cannabis, aren't, at least from California's standpoint, are not even recognized. Doctors are not given the ability to be able to adapt to the, to the patient's needs, and they have to follow these strict rules. It, it's, it, we're going to eventually talk, I hope, about uh, PTSD in veterans, but in Colorado, which was the first state to actually legalize cannabis completely, if you get a medical recommendation letter for cannabis, it was not until a year ago, one year ago, that they accepted PTSD as a medical reason to, to uh, give someone a recommendation letter to access cannabis medically. This is a state where it's already legal. Right. This right. is as liberal, as forward-thinking as possible, and you say the veterans still had to fight to get access to cannabis from a medical standpoint in a state like Colorado for PTSD. Right. And this is uh, something that, you know, I've... Uh... Uh, been writing about the pharmaceutical industry for a number of years, and I know that uh, any other drug, even like an opioid, uh, could be uh, prescribed for certain kinds of pain, but uh, once it's okay to market that drug, it, the, a doctor can prescribe it for almost anything. Absolutely. Are we talking about the opioid or are we talking about the cannabis? Well, any other drug except medical cannabis. <laughs> Exactly, and that's exactly what I was going to say. In California, they have at least given the physicians the wherewithal and the ability to use their medical judgment to determine whether a patient, even they do not have these incredibly debilitating neurological diseases or metastatic cancer, to be able to, to say, look, this patient is taking opioids for back pain and wants to get off the back pain, they can't sleep at night, they, they, they're depressed, they can't get their job, they can't keep their job because their back's in pain. Now they're addicted to opioids, taking more and more, and you're, you're creating this vicious cycle, this almost spiral, a maelstrom, that you may not be able to have these people recover from. Right. To not give a physician who recognizes the signs and symptoms uh, when something is getting out of control and to give them the, the, the arrow to put in their quiver that is medical cannabis, yeah, I'm not sure, I'm not sure the, the logic behind that, John. Right. You mentioned uh, veterans and PTSD. Um, that's not an indication in Pennsylvania. Do, is PTSD, I, I imagine, is a, is a significant problem for a lot of veterans, especially those who have... Uh, served overseas in Iraq and Afghanistan and so on? Well, we have a lot of uh, Army bases in California. We have naval bases in California. So I see an enormous amount of um, veterans, male, female, from all of the services. And they stay in California, and they, they come to me. And my personal feeling is if you've served our country and you want to use cannabis, 
as opposed to taking opioids, I'm with you. I'm with you 100%. If you think about PTSD, you're talking about nightmares, inability to sleep. You're talking about depression. You're talking about anxiety. There could be pain involved. So now you've got four of the five major reasons why I see patients in California to begin with, and a significant number of them have headaches as well. So yeah. you've got five, four out of the five in most cases, top reasons why people in California are using cannabis. And they're all the same person. They're all in the same individual who has served our country and now has to suffer through just a litany of issues. The common way to treat this is to go to a VA hospital who, and the physicians there, I've worked at VA hospitals, great physicians, but their hands are tied. They cannot write recommendations to allow people to get access to cannabis. Servicemen and women are afraid. In a lot of cases, they're going to lose their pensions, they're going to lose their pay if they get uh, drug tests or anything like that. When you go to a VA hospital, you're going to be given five or six different medications to treat those four specific issues. Each one of those medications has side effects. Most times they give patients opioids, which is not only addictive, but can cause fatalities. You now have someone who's depressed, who's in pain, who can't sleep, with access to opioids or drugs or benzodiazepines. You know, in certain circumstances, if they maintain or have any type of suicidal thoughts, now you've given them essentially a gun. These opioids, these pills that are not giving them any relief can now be essentially fix all of those issues that they're complaining of through a fatality, through an overdose. Cannabis treats all of those things. You cannot overdose on, on cannabis, and you have a chance to create some type of normality in your life after what you've experienced overseas serving our country. Not only that, but I came across a study of veterans recently published in the Journal of the American Medical Association that concluded that treatment with opioids was uh, not superior to treatment with non-opioid medications for improving moderate to severe chronic back pain or hip or knee osteoarthritis pain. Are you familiar with that study? I read the study. Now, again, they tried to do the things that you're supposed to do. You're supposed to go for your randomized studies. You want to have the studies have some meat to it. Although my study is interesting, it's essentially, if you, break, if you just break it down, it's essentially like a family feud, top five answers on the board. It's not a prospective study. It's not randomized. It's not double-blind. This is just a survey that I did in order to try to see where we should go with true studies that, at this point, we cannot do because cannabis is a Schedule One drug, and you can't do any type of studies on that at least ones that will be recognized by the federal government. Huh. But the study they did, it's a small study. It's only a couple hundred people, 240 patients in the study. But even that small number, it points out that opioids are not the answer. Opioids, you know, they, they mask the pain. They don't fix anything. With anti-inflammatories, you at least have a chance to try to decrease the inflammation and direct medicine towards the area that's hurt. If your back hurts or your knee hurts or your hip hurts, 
You take an anti-inflammatory, you're going to decrease the inflammation in the area uh-huh. that is going to be causing the pain. You take opioids, you're essentially attacking the brain right. by depressing the central nervous system so you don't recognize the pain. Right, right. Let's talk a bit about what you think needs to be done to help more people get access to medical marijuana or medicinal cannabis, as you call it, and overcome the stigma associated with it. Well, I think the most important thing that we can start with from a grassroots level is stop believing that cannabis is some demon weed. It's not something that, as they first talked about in the 30s and 40s, a reefer madness and it's not like that. What this is is a plant that has medicinal values. We need to examine it. If we can do proper research on cannabis and we find that cannabis is bad, well, we need to know that. This is not me standing on a soapbox and saying, cannabis is the greatest thing in the world. Let's do the proper studies. Let's figure out where this works, how it doesn't work. And we can't do that while cannabis is considered a Schedule One drug for the DEA. Right. The DEA has determined that cannabis has no medicinal value whatsoever. It gave it the highest restrictions, the same level as heroin and LSD. Right. At the same time, at the same time, the United States government owns a patent that claims that cannabis is a medicine. So they own the patent that says it is a medicine, yet they say it has no medicinal value at the DEA level. Well, that's the first time I'm hearing about that. (laughs) As you said, Pennsylvania has just legalized cannabis for medical use. What do you see in the future for Pennsylvania regarding medicinal cannabis? I I think that Pennsylvania at least took the first step. The first step, you got to keep putting one foot in front of the other. I think 50 years from now, we'll look back at the first steps Pennsylvania has taken and realize that what was the big deal? Why, why did it take so long to get to the point that people can't grow their own medicine in their backyard? I think that that, as the current generation, the millennials, the Generation Zs come into power, and they have been used to seeing cannabis as part of a, the American lifestyle, uh, American medical care, I think we're going to start seeing everybody who is aging out of the uh, negative propaganda of the cannabis industry. Okay. Well, thanks very much for, uh, you know, allowing me to interview you, and uh, I wish you uh, luck, and uh, let's keep in touch. You got it, John. You take care of yourself.